0: I don't like your attitude.
1: I. Uh, Definitely. The defense is wrong. Tutina Kaji says, vote. Be It's a Tuesday edition of PFTOT, PFTPM. Chris Sims unbuttoned again. I don't know where this stuff is ending up. All I know is that we're not on TV and our friends in the UK are wearing me out with emails, Chris, about where we are and when we're coming back. I'm going to start just forwarding them to you for processing.
2: Oh, please don't. I hate that crap, okay? I love our (laughs) our friends and fans in the UK. But damn, I don't need any more communication with anybody else. Between Instagram, (laughs) Twitter, email, text messages, holy crap, I'm sick of all of it.
1: So you're looking for social media distancing, not just social distancing.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I'd like a total distancing of everything right now, yes. But not really. But at least it's a good thing. At least it shows they like us. They're starving for the football content. And uh, I think the one thing I am seeing on social media is, you know, NFL free agency is helping people a little bit out through this time. I mean, it is the only thing going on right now. And it is fun to look down at, you know, pro football talk or anything else and just constantly get these updates right now about what's going on in the league. So that is kind of
0: cool.
1: I think you're right. I mean, it beats the hell out of sitting there watching the news and wondering about worst-case scenarios and worrying about things you ultimately can't control, although we all can control keeping ourselves safe, keeping that safe distance, washing your hands, not touching your face, not going out unless you need to, and making sure that any elderly or infirm people in your family are safe, and that the younger members of your family understand that this isn't a hoax, it isn't the flu, and it needs to be taken seriously. End of public statement. I don't know whether or not that counts against the hours of community service that I still have to provide, but that's a different story altogether. All right, Um, let's get right to it. Tom Brady announces today on Instagram just before 9 a.m. Eastern that he is not returning to the New England Patriots. He said in the post he doesn't know what his football future holds, which implies he doesn't know what his next destination will be. But, you know, Chris, you and I have both had this nagging sense that at the end of the day, he's going to find his way back to New England, especially when it looks like there's going to be no offseason program. But, man, it was sudden. It was surprising. And... See you later, Tom Brady. Twenty years later, he's going to go somewhere else.
2: Yeah, well, it's shocking. It is. I, I did in my in my heart of hearts thought ultimately he would end up back in New England, you know, for some deal that seemed to work out for both sides. You know, uh, the one thing I've learned about the situation a little bit, you know, and I, I was be, I I became aware of it yesterday. You know, somebody with some knowledge of the situation had told me, ooh, they thought it could be very hard to have any wiggle room with Tom Brady and the contract. And as far as money and maybe throwing more money in his direction, once they signed Devin McCourty, and then I think once they had a franchise tag, Joe Thune, it just took away some more wiggle room from the New England Patriots to get back a guy like Tom Brady. But it's sad, Mike. I mean, it's the end of an era. It really is. This is uh, one of the coolest, greatest runs I've ever seen in my lifetime in sports history. It's been that special, and it's in a sport where everything was supposed to be equal. I have the ultimate respect for Belichick, and of course, the ultimate respect for Tom Brady. I mean, he was my idol for a long, long time, and I still really look up to him.
1: Yeah, and look, it's not an easy situation to get to the end of the road after twenty years. I don't think anybody expects and can reasonably predict that a relationship will last that long 20 years is an eternity in football when every team is a different organism each and every year to think that Brady has been there for 20 different iterations of the Patriots is stunning and I spoke to Robert Kraft today by phone about it and he explained that Tom went over to his house last night and said he's going to be moving on and Robert Kraft's attitude is exactly what it needs to be. I got 20 years out of this guy. I got six Super Bowl championships out of this guy. He deserves his freedom if he wants it. Robert Kraft pointed out he's very sad about it. He's going to support Tom Brady, except when he plays the Patriots, if and when that happens, and what a game that'll be. But... Look, the guy has earned the right to go elsewhere if that's what he wants to do, plain and simple. And it seems that's what he wants to do, Chris. And now we have to figure out where he's going to go. That's the next phase in all this. And I don't think anybody knows with any certainty where this one is going to end up.
2: Well, yeah, I don't. I mean, and then, you know, the Brady Kraft relationship is as special as it gets, you know, as far as owner player that we've ever seen. And, you know, again, I think, you know, when this is all said and done and cooler heads prevail, You know, I think Belichick, Brady, Kraft, they're all going to get together and realize how special this run was that they created. Uh, I do think that time will come. I'm sure there's a little bit of bitterness right now between a Belichick and a Brady. Uh, That's just the way it goes. But the big thing is, too, I mean, let's not forget, and I know it's finally struck Tom Brady, which is sad because he's, like, synonymous with the New England Patriots. I mean, it almost looks like, you know, his profile of his head is the the Patriot guy on the helmet. I mean, it's it's how synonymous he is to that team to me. But the Patriots are the Patriots because they've been making decisions like this for the last 20 years. And it just finally struck Tom Brady, which none of us really wanted to see. But this is the part of their greatness, of knowing when to get rid of players, when to move on. And even for a great like Tom Brady, I think they realized that, man, the the, the reward's not worth the risk. And the, the price tag's not worth what they're going to get out of the play at the age of 43. And they're trying to build for the future and, and stay on top of the sport.
1: And that's the other thing, too, Chris. Look, and I wonder how much other teams are influenced by the perception that Bill Belichick was ready to move on. He's seen the guy for 20 years. And only Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, know Brady's performance relative to the expectations, relative to the play that's been called, relative to the options that are there to throw the ball to this guy or that guy. Is he getting through the progressions? Is he moving the way he needs to? Is he making the right decisions? And, you know, now's the time. And Bill Belichick has always been the guy who likes to make the move one year too early instead of one year too late. And with all this talk about Tom having the right to move on and Robert Kraft truly wanting him to stay, we can't overlook the very real possibility, if not probability, that Belichick decided it's time to move on and it's not going to be hard for Tom Brady to pick that up in his interactions with Belichick that he's really not all that keen on continuing. So fine, off I go. And I think that when the story's finally written on this, that's what the message will be, that Belichick was ready to move on.
2: Yeah, I I know. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair. I do think, you know, I think Belichick, from everything you read, connecting dots, things I know about the situation, I think he was willing to have Brady back, but it was going to be at a price that he felt still helped the football team. And I think that probably didn't set well with Brady and Brady's camp. They probably wanted a little bit more money out of respect and what he's done there. But as we talk about in the sport all the time, you know, you, you can't give contracts to guys for what they have done. You need to give big money to for guys for what they are going to do and that's that's a big part of this, too. And like I said, I think what really squashed it and, and and stopped any wiggle room to where the Patriots can maybe throw an extra $3 million or $4 million into the pot for Brady, you know, I think unexpectedly, I don't think they expected to franchise tag Thuni. I think they thought they were going to get a deal done. And then the signing of McCourty, I think kind of handcuffed them a little bit to, uh, be able to throw a little extra money Brady's way, and then probably Brady realized that. I'm sure Belichick was very upfront about the situation, and Brady decided, hey, the hell with this. I'm going to go somewhere else. The big thing is, Mike, I mean, where does he go? What happens? I mean, the only thing we know is Tampa and the Chargers, and I just, I don't know. I've had, you know, one, I don't know if I really think Tampa's a good mix with him there, you know, and then the other thing I just people in the know have told me they just thought Brady would be reluctant to go to the West Coast unless it wasn't the 49ers. Uh, OK, and and that's where I just look at it right now and goes, what what happens in this uh, the next step with the Brady saga?
1: Yeah, I agree with you completely. And look. Chris, at a certain level, like my first reaction when I saw the two page post on social media from Tom Brady was he's trying to get the upper hand in the looming effort to blame someone for Tom Brady no longer being a Patriot and Patriots fans have been watching and waiting as to who's going to get the blame. I think the other side of it, too. I think there's a chance he's trying to goose the market a little bit because I think a lot of people around the league still believe he's going back to New England. So why am I going to put together an offer that he's going to take back to New England and say, hey, here's what this team is willing to do. Here's what that team's willing to do. What are you willing to do? And Bill Belichick eventually says, I'll do this. They work out a deal, and the team wasted its time. Now it's obvious he's in play if you want him Come get him. And to the extent that Shefty was talking about teams laying in wait the other night, now it's clear. Now it's obvious. And let's put it all together on the timeline. Noon Eastern yesterday, the window opens for teams to chase him. Nobody really chased him. There was no news of anyone chasing him. So we get to the next morning, and he says he's leaving and I think at a certain level, he's trying to get teams to take seriously that he's leaving and to understand that now is the time to act. And that's going to drive interest. That's going to drive up the offers. And that's going to allow him to figure out which team is the best fit for him if he wants to try to win Super Bowl number seven as soon as this year. Well, maybe, Mike, maybe. But I do think, you know, most of the league
2: realized that New England was not going to make him a deal that was going to blow, you know, his doors off or, or blow the NFL, you know. Uh, media circuit where they were like, oh my gosh, they offered Brady this type of money. I I think people know he was there to be had. You're right. I think there was a sense that he might go back there no matter what, you know, for a hometown type of deal as far as the Patriots are concerned. You know, but here's the other thing I think people are missing here a little bit, all right? You know, when you sign Brady, you know, hey, it's great. It's Tom Brady. He's a legend. You're going to sell tickets and billboards. It's going to be a distraction to your team. It's going to overtake your facility. It's going to be the only thing in town. You know, a lot of teams are, I think they look at it and go, oh, Tom Brady's good. And then they think about some of those aspects added to the fact that, oh, wait, he's 43. And we might only have him for a year and be right back in this boat next year. Okay. Let alone, here's something a coach said to me about the situation yesterday. He thought that some coaches were a little scared of Brady to a degree too, Mike because he's so used to seeing things the way they're done in New England and with Belichick and how perfect they are and how the T's are crossed and the I's are always dotted and everything is just this well-oiled machine. Certainly the greatest well-oiled machine I've ever seen, and I think a lot of people who have been in different facilities would tell you. And I think that intimidates some organizations to where they go, wait, if he sees how you know we're making the donuts behind the scenes here, He might be like, man, you guys are lazy. You're not detailed. This is not how you do it. And I think that scares some teams, too, with the Tom Brady uh, situation as well.
1: And Chris, he's got no opportunity to kick the tires to the extent that he was thinking about doing a tour or having the tour come to him. That's all prohibited by the NFL's COVID-19 rules. We're going to talk about those coming up here. But... Uh, He's going to have to make his decision sight unseen. This is Brock Osweiler to the Texans type territory. And there is a chance he goes to a team and he's like, holy crap, what is wrong with these people? It's almost like the reverse of Odell Beckham Jr. Where Beckham seems to be craving a team like the Patriots to help him win because he's experienced teams that aren't like that. And he can't wait to get to that kind of an organization Brady has been there for 20 years and it could be a rude awakening when he goes to a new team and he's like, my God, no wonder this team has sucked all these years. So uh, that's that's a very real dynamic here. And okay, let's try to identify the teams then. The Chargers and the Buccaneers are the two that we knew about. Raiders have Marcus Mariota. I don't think that puts them in play for Brady, does it? Are they going to get Brady and throw Carr overboard and have Mariota as the backup? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't see that being a possibility. Plus, you know, just like we talked
2: about, I just don't think the Raiders are quite there yet for Brady to feel like, I want to come and join that team. You know, the Bucks and Chargers, there is potential there for the team. Now, we just got to see the Bucs do it, all right? And, you know, hey, Bruce Arians, we know he's a good offensive mind. There's some weapons there. We know the defense has some potential. You know, there's some potential for the Bucks to be one of those teams this year. We say, ooh, watch out. Same with the Chargers. I mean, we know that defense is top-notch. But really, in my heart of hearts, and just from things I know around the league, I don't think there's anybody else. I think this is it. And, you know, I just – I really do question at this point right now, is Brady going to be willing to go down to Tampa or live across the country with the L.A. Chargers, move his family, have to do things like that? That's where I think it's really fascinating – and, you know, I I, I just um, uh, I'm really I'm really intrigued to see what happens here, because in my heart of hearts, I want to say Brady might just say, forget it. I'm going to retire now. I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, and he, he's made it clear he's going to play this year. He's already signed that check. I and I guess circumstances can change. But look, OK, now that he's in play and now that there can be no misunderstanding and no one can say, ah, he's just going to shop our offer back to Bill Belichick. Is there another team that can pop up out of the blue? Tom Curran and I were on PFT Live talking about this earlier today, and we were both talking about the Dolphins, and the Dolphins haven't gone away. When all we've ever gotten from Steven Ross, the owner of the team, and Brian Flores, the head coach, is why would he want to come here? That doesn't mean they don't want him. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to be there. And I think we have to take them seriously, especially to the extent that if there's any acrimony between Belichick and Brady – hey, this is the Brett Favre, go to a team in the division and stick it to the Packers twice a year mentality. Now, not that the Dolphins can stick it twice a year to the Patriots, but you know what? They were sticking it to them about once a year on average over the past several years, so who knows? And now that they have Kyle Van Noy and Byron Jones and Eric Flowers and seem to be ready to spend their money and use their draft picks, maybe there is an attraction there, Chris. And, you know, it's Miami. We've talked about this before, Giselle. Boonshin, not Boondenshin, Boonshin. You've mastered that one. Uh, now that now that uh, he's in play, you know, she's got to say him where they're going to live. And I think if she was going to pick anywhere on the map, it would be Miami. I just think we need to take the Dolphins seriously. And we need to be thinking about other teams that may say, holy crap, he really isn't going back. We need to get in on this.
2: Yeah, I, I get it. And I mean, Miami makes sense in a lot of different ways. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me for team-building purposes for the Miami Dolphins. That's where I look at it. I mean, are you really going to allot $60 million to Tom Brady? And I understand roll the red carpet out right now as you're trying to actually build something in this new Brian Flores era. That, to me, would be questionable. And, again, I do think that Miami would probably roll out the red carpet for Brady, give him a lot of money, treat him and give him the respect maybe that he's craving a little bit that he didn't get in New England. But it's still a rebuilding process, and they are most likely going to draft a quarterback. Uh, And, you know, does Brady really help that development of that young quarterback? I don't know. I mean, those are a lot of things you got to think about there, to me, where I just can't see that happening. I get it. You know, the other team I'll throw out there, Mike, that, you know, might make sense because it's a little bit, in a win now, but he doesn't fit maybe the offense. I mean, does Chicago want to flirt with Tom Brady? I mean, that would be other team.
1: I just throw out there. I Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater—the names we've heard linked to the Chicago Bears. I mean, if they're looking to upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky, you go get Tom Brady and you make the offense fit him. I agree with you completely. That is a team that needs to be thinking about Brady, and Brady needs to be looking at that team. And look, cold weather—he can play in the cold weather. No Definitely. big deal. He'll be fine. The defense is good enough. The question is, can they make the offense fit him? Will Matt Nagy be willing to do that? But Nagy has seen what Brady can do from his time with the Chiefs. And and I think that that is one team that maybe wasn't taking Brady leaving seriously, that maybe should, and maybe should adjust their plans accordingly.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, again, uh, it makes a lot of sense. They have a lot of pieces in place. They have a borderline Super Bowl defense as is, right? Right. The big question I think there would be, yeah, can Nagy, can Nagy conform, right, and get away from some of the movement stuff he does with the quarterback and implement things that Brady wants to do? And, you know, if it came down to Chicago, when Brady breaks break down Chicago, and he'll probably watch film with him, is he going to like their offense too? And I think that's questionable. I think he's going to look at it and go, man, I don't really like this. Uh, it looked crappy last year, and I'm not so sure – how they'll conform the offense around me. Do they have those tools in their toolbook to do that? So that would be just the negatives. But, I mean, just on paper, as far as need, you know, city, spotlight, you know, team having some certain things in place they feel like, you know, I I could see that being a possibility. But we've heard no rumors or anything like that uh, with those two to, to this point.
1: And the one last team I'll mention, the possibility that Jerry Jones rolls out of bed on any given day and says, enough with Dak Prescott trying to stick us up for $35 million a year or more. Let's go get Tommy. Let's try to win the Super Bowl. Let's do this thing. A, a-, a guy can dream because uh, that would be one of the great stories of all time if that would work out, although the chances of it happening, I think, are incredibly slim. Now, the Saints – could have been in play for a starting quarterback, but Drew Brees under contract for reportedly two years, $50 million, but it's got to be a dummy second year. It's a one-year deal. We got to see what the cash flow is for this year. They have that $21 million in cap space they have to deal with. My guess is he got a gigantic signing bonus, and they spread that over two years to deal with that cap number. He's still going to have a big cap number for 2020, but he's the guy. And Taysom Hill will presumably be there as well. And it's going to be interesting, Chris, to see how they divide the labor in 2020 between Breeze and Hill as they get ready for 2021 when presumably Breeze retires and Hill takes over.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's not, a, not, not unexpected, any of this, right? We, we knew this was going to happen. Breeze, you know, uh, I, I'm sure was patient here in the fact that you know, I'm sure the Saints and Sean Payton and everybody you know, have been talking to Teddy Bridgewater, you know, they were still trying to figure out the Taysom Hill situation. They got all that figured out. But to me, Mike, here's the thing that jumps out to me, you know, Hey, we know Taysom Hill's the future, but if they still want to use Taysom Hill in a creative way and use them, like we've seen the last two years and expand that, they need to sign even another quarterback. You know, they got to have this year's version of Teddy Bridgewater. So, in case a breeze does get hurt or banged up, you know, that they can either make Taysom Hill the backup and have somebody be insurance to him or, you know, have the backup play and Taysom Hill splits duty and they use him creatively too. So they're still in a little predicament here to me to where they're going to have to get another quarterback down there to be a little bit of a fail safe plan for Taysom Hill. If they want to still use him as this jack of all trades player, because Hey, when you're playing fullback and, tight end and you're running the ball at quarterback, there's a chance you could get banged up. And what if he gets banged up? And then the next week, Drew Brees, let's just say sprains his ankle and he can't play. What the hell do the Saints do? So I think they're going to have to have a backup plan for their backup plan here in New Orleans. But the, the Brees news, not, not necessarily shocking.
1: Well, and the speculation I saw, that makes a lot of sense. Find a way to bring Chase Daniel back to New Orleans if you you need that veteran who can step in and and back up Drew Brees so Taysom Hill can keep being Taysom Hill because you have to have a separate offense when Hill takes over. And that presumably will be in 2021. Okay. The Saints are known for some dramatic playoff failures in recent years. One came to cap the 2017 season when Stephon Diggs caught the Minneapolis miracle and ran it into the end zone. He's now running out of the building and all the way to Buffalo. We saw this coming yesterday when he took to social media to make it clear that something's going to happen. Something happened. uh, Something did indeed happen last night, Chris. Chris. Stephon Diggs traded the Bills, and look, I, I initially was like, oh, man, that stinks. I'd like to f- see Stephon Diggs stay with the Bills, or with the Vikings, rather, until I saw what the Vikings are getting. First-round pick, fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick, and a fourth-round pick next year. That's a pretty impressive haul for a guy that the Vikings clearly were moving on from because he didn't want to be there.
2: Yeah, well, yes, it is. I'm sure there was a market for Stephon Diggs,
1: though. You know, Stefan Diggs, as we talked about yesterday in
2: some of our videos and stuff, you know, he's one of those guys at the receiver position that has a very, uh, very big skill set as far as the things he can do. He can really be a legit slot receiver. He can really be a legit outside, I'll beat whoever's playing me man to man type receiver. And the Bills, hey, blood's in the water right now, as we know. I mean, the Pats are, there's no Tom Brady. It's your time, Buffalo. You got all this money, you got Josh Allen on a rookie quarterback. You know, contract, you got a big time defense and you needed to get that established weapon on that offense to help out Josh Allen and help out the offense in general. Now they got a go-to guy, not shocked to see this marriage. I know the New England Patriots loved Stephon Diggs when he was coming out. Brian Dayball, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, was in New England during that time. And I'm I'm sure... You know, that love affair has continued, and he recognizes what Stephon Diggs will do for his offense. So, great, great. I think a great trade for the Buffalo Bills because much needed, and the time is now. And it's great for the Minnesota Vikings that they got. I don't think I look at this deal and go, oh, one side got ripped off or one side totally got shelled here. You know, if you really like the guy and the player and you think he could take you to that next step, I, I think that was an okay price for the Bills to pay and give to the Minnesota Vikings.
1: See, I disagree with you. Now, look, I, you feel more strongly about Diggs than I do because I think you have to take the total package with Diggs. He's never had more than 1,100 receiving yards in any one season. He's only had two 1,000-yard uh, receiving seasons in his career. He was getting paid very good money. He's probably going to want more money now that we're seeing the market uh, dramatically Im- increase with the likes of Amari Cooper at $20 million a year and, and Julio Jones at $22 million a year. But... I look at what DeAndre Hopkins generated for the Texans, a running back the Cardinals couldn't wait to get rid of in a second-round pick. I look at Antonio Brown last year, a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Now, the difference is we knew all about Antonio Brown's warts. And see, this is a credit to the Vikings, Chris, for keeping it all under wraps. When Diggs went AWOL after Week 4 – Nobody knew what was going on behind the scenes, and the Vikings chose not to go to the media and make Diggs look bad because they wanted to win the short-term PR battle. They kept their cards close to the vest, They never felt compelled to crap on Diggs, so it never took on a life of its own, and they didn't jab at him and cause him to go full bore on social media like Brown did to the point where you can't get anything for the guy. And when you consider a third and a fifth for Brown last year after everything that went wrong between him and the Steelers and the quality of the player Brown is, that for the Vikings to get what they got for Diggs really is a steal, so... You know, you could say, hey, arm's length, it's a win-win, but when you look at some of these other deals that have been done, it's like, holy crap, yeah. Rick Spielman should have been wearing a ski mask.
2: Well, but, but Antonio Brown was going to ruin the Steelers. I mean, he was dragging their quarterback through the mud every day. He had no contract, so that takes away his value of his trade, let alone he is a like the biggest problem child we've seen in the NFL the last five years. So that's why that happened. You know, again, when I'm sitting here going, do I think Stephon Diggs is you know, worth that, you know, it's debatable for me. I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying that the Bills, I think, think he is that guy. And if you do think he's that guy, then you go for it from that standpoint. The other thing, too, Mike, you talk about Diggs production. Come on, Mike. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings offense has stunk for, like, for the last four years. It stinks. So nobody's going to put up big stats for that. The receivers run three routes. They have three running plays, and they run a lot of blue legs. You know, so that's not going to help a guy out in that type of system either to put up numbers where we go, oh, you know, that justifies that trade or anyway. The Bills seem to like it. I'm with you. I don't know if I feel that strongly about Stefan Diggs. I agree with you on that standpoint, but I think they see a really great player and a system fit, which probably made them feel comfortable to give up those types of assets.
1: He's only 26. As a rookie, he had 720 receiving yards with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback, 2016 when it was Sam Bradford, 903, 2017 with Case Keenum, it was 849, 2018 with Kirk Cousins, 1,021 his first 1,000-yard season, and then last year, 1,130 receiving yards. He's had his best two seasons of his career with Kirk Cousins, but there's something there with him and Cousins. And Paul Allen was on PFT Live earlier today. He's the voice of the Vikings. And he actually thinks that Diggs going AWOL after that week four loss at Chicago got Kirk Cousins to think that there was something about him that Diggs didn't like. And it caused Cousins, you know, to the extent that we talk about the external criticism of Cousins waking him up, it may have been Diggs that woke up Cousins last year. And... You know, it all has worked out for Cousins to get to a level where the Vikings are very pleased with what he's capable of doing. Three years, $96 million, his new contract. But that moment and the aftermath of that Bears game, that may have gone a long way toward Cousins getting to the level that we now see him at, Chris.
2: Yeah, man, maybe.
1: It could be. I mean, and of course, that's the same game that Adam will called him out
2: publicly after the game. So, you know, that seemed to be a, a definitely huge defining moment you know, for uh, the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, to where they turn things around. And, you know, honestly, you know, and I don't know this, but you know, I, I think Diggs' frustrations, just from my standpoint, on the outside looking in, has more to do with the Vikings' offense than it does with Kirk Cousins. I have no knowledge of that. I could be totally wrong. Uh, but if I was a receiver and I played in that offense the last two years, I don't know if I'd, you know, and I look at the other great receivers in football, I'd go – man, they're not doing any of this stuff that they're doing with these other guys with me. And uh, I'm sure that bothered Stephon Diggs to a degree as well.
1: And one quick point before we move on, I mentioned Chase Daniel as a possibility to the Saints to be that veteran backup who could step in. He's heading to the Lions instead, so the Saints will have to find somebody else to be the number two game day backup to Drew Brees. All right. One of the reasons why the Bills gave up so much to get Stephon Diggs could have been that they had competition for Diggs. And that competition is a team named the New England Patriots. I'm told that the Patriots at least called about Diggs. There are reports that the Patriots called about DeAndre Hopkins, and we're in on that one. You know, Chris, we had seen the reports that the Patriots were going to look at upgrading the receiver position and I don't know what they would have offered the Texans. I can understand why the Texans would want to get Hopkins out of the conference and not give him to the Patriots. But you'd think the Patriots could have gotten Hopkins at a minimum when you consider what the Cardinals gave up to get him. Um, but Diggs fascinates me as well. And you'll wonder whether or not they were trying to do that. I, I don't know. Were they trying to convince Brady to stay? Maybe not. Maybe this is just we have to load up the cannon for whoever the next quarterback is going to be.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, yes. I think they know they have to improve their offense. And, you know, Mike, again, what I just said about Diggs when we were talking about as pertaining to Buffalo and Brian Dayball, this is something I've known for a while. New England really loves Stephon Diggs for the, for the reasons I've already previously stated. You know, he's just got a great versatility about him at the wide receiver position to where, you know, he could be that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type, slot receiver, can do all those types of things, be smart, read defenses, make the right break, do all that. But he's also physically gifted enough right now in his career to where, you know, you can just line him outside. Like I said, like we saw in the 49ers divisional playoff game, throw a bomb up to him, the left sideline, he'll go get it, bam, gone for a touchdown. So I think that's the value in him. But, you know, New England, you know, they don't overpay for anything. And I'm sure they'd probably – Heard some of the things that were being thrown out there, and and what Buffalo finally ended up giving him, where New England just was reluctant to do that.
1: And uh, you know the, the the apparently I have not seen this yet. This is all something that's unfolding in real time. But I'm curious about the Bill Belichick statement on Tom Brady. Um, oh, and and oh, and oh, something else that's happened, and this is something that I think we have been flagging for a while here, Chris. Let's pivot. Let's go on plan before we get back to Bill Belichick. The Panthers okay. have given Cam Newton permission to seek a trade, which means he's is. going to find a trade, which means he's going to be gone.
2: Wow. Well, which is, yes, it does. It means he's going to be gone, which is going to add another wrinkle to, you know, maybe this Tom Brady saga. Uh, but man, that's going to be really interesting. And, you know, to me, a little interesting that it's happening this late in the game. Why, why wasn't this figured out already? You know, we got some chairs filled already as far as the quarterback position. Uh, and you just look at it right now and go, man, what what out there is going to fit, you know, Cam Newton and his skill set and who is, who's going to feel comfortable with bringing him in right now? So, uh, man, that's huge news, but not shock. I really thought Carolina would move on from Cam Newton. They're starting a new era there and they're they're just trying to get everybody new as far as that leadership positions and the quarterback position.
1: Well, and here's the key too. To the extent that the Chargers are in play for Brady, the Chargers should be in play for Cam Newton, and this is the shot across the bow to get the Chargers' attention. Don't go get Brady. Get Cam Newton because, look, and you think about the master plan here. Go ahead and take Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. We'll deal with Tom Brady. We've beaten Tom Brady in the past, the Carolina Panthers have. We'd rather have Tom Brady uh, there – than uh, than Cam Newton ending up in Tampa Bay, if that's what the Buccaneers end up doing. So my point is, get Cam Newton out of the conference, get him to the Chargers, get the Chargers' attention, and work it out that way. I still think, I've always thought that's where Cam Newton needs to end up, is with the L.A. Chargers. It's good for him, and it's great for the Chargers.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, Mike. I mean, I know we're on the same page there. I just, you know, I think as I told you last week, You know, I was told by somebody I really trust in in the NFL world that there's no way the Chargers would make a play for Cam Newton. So maybe that's changed. I don't know. But uh, I was told that by a pretty reliable source that that wouldn't happen. I don't know the reasons for it either because I'm like you. To me, it makes so much sense. And, of course, billboard factor, you know, if his physical checks out, is a guy that I still think can play at a very high level and be dominant that way. And uh, I just wonder where this goes right now. You know, you just, you know, hey, the Dolphins, I don't know, would they make a play? The Colts, are they going to get in this? You know, he would fit perfectly what Matt Nagy would want to do in Chicago and that offense as far as some of the movement stuff and all that. But Chicago is void of draft picks a little bit to really make this type of deal happen, too. So, uh, man, this is huge news. Huh? It's going to be amazing to watch this.
1: And here's another thing as well, Chris. I don't know how the hell anybody's going to do a physical on Cam Newton. We're going to talk coming up before we end this about the offseason restrictions. There is a huge donut hole in the document as it relates to physicals, imposed on players who are the subject of a trade. We'll get to that though coming up. The one last hey, point Mike, I wanted to Mike, are the yeah, are the Redskins is Ron Rivera
2: going to get and talk with uh, uh Cam Newton, you know? He's the know. only
1: coach that that Cam Newton has ever known at the NFL level. Now, if I'm Ron Rivera, I may have that same fatigue that I think every Panthers fan has about whether or not the guy's healthy. When will he yeah. be healthy? Will he stay healthy? So I don't know that Ron Rivera wants to continue to live that. But, you know, it's an obvious connection, and they were together from 2011 through 2019 in Carolina. All right. And look, we're, I, I, we we tried to structure this uh, in some reasonable way, but stuff keeps popping up. I want to go back to Tom Brady. Okay. The Bill Belichick statement and it's multiple paragraphs and it doesn't lead with this, but there is a very telling quote in there. And I want to get your reaction to it, Chris. Here's the quote. Nothing about the end of Tom Brady's Patriots career changes how unfathomably spectacular it was. That tells me that Belichick thinks he stunk last year. Do you agree? No, I
2: think he's talking about more just right now. It didn't ah. work out. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, no, there you are. The old I know. Uh, but uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think Belichick would try to take a low blow like that right now. I think he's trying to just say it didn't work out for us right now. I think he's speaking as to what's been going on here in the free agency talks. And he's just saying that he's not going to let this you know, put a blemish on 20 unreal years between the Patriots and, and, and Tom Brady.
1: But why do you even put that comment in there? Nothing about the end of his Patriots career changes how unfathomably spectacular it was. Well, why would the fact that he chooses to leave change anything? It's just kind of a weird comment that is open to interpretation where reasonable minds, especially people like me who want to stir it up wherever I can. I'm going to look at that and I'm going to say, well, he's saying he stunk last year.
2: Well, or is he just saying, hey, like we tried to get Tom back and he
1: didn't want to come back here and we still view him as an awesome
2: guy and the biggest part of our organization and its history and all that. He could be just saying that, too. So uh, I, I don't know. Nothing in my history leads me to believe Belichick would take a shot like that. I do still think there's great respect with Belichick to Brady. Just belichicks you know, he's the ultimate army general. He's just not going to, like, show a human side to anybody while he's still a coach or coaching that so-called player.
1: Here's the point, though. Put yourself in Brady's shoes. If you're in Brady's shoes and you see that quote, if it at a minimum causes you to stop and say, what the hell is he implying? Then it's a mistake to put it in there. Do you agree with that?
2: Well, yeah, I, I it certainly yes. I don't think Belichick would want to hurt Brady. I don't. I don't think he'd want to do that and do that. Uh, I, I think I really, uh, I, I think you're reading too deep into it. That's just me. Um, I know you and me are different there, on, but yeah, I think it's on. more just about the the recent history, the things that have gone on here, and that it's not personal, and uh, that Belichick loves Brady and realizes he would not be Bill Belichick without Tom Brady.
1: Hey, I eat like it, logical Mory, analysis and it. critical thought. You don't. I like guys who didn't get captured. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> and now they're all turning us off. At least 30% are turning us off. Amari Cooper, don't turn us off yet. We got more to say. Amari Cooper's staying with the Dallas Cowboys. A reported five-year, $100 million deal. It'll be interesting to get inside the nooks and crannies and see what that deal's really worth. But still... Washington reportedly was after Amari Cooper. That helped grease the skids to keep him in Dallas. Chris, they had to keep this guy. They, they touted him as their 2019 first-round pick. They couldn't let him walk away after the 2019 season. They had to keep him. Is $20 million yeah. a year, is that is that too much for Amari Cooper in your mind? Uh,
2: I, I don't think so. I mean, the only thing that I could say negative about Amari Cooper at this point is just, you know, hey, little knick-knack injuries here and there. Uh, but other than that, You know, we've seen when when Cooper is healthy and utilized the right way, he's one of the greatest route runners in the sport. He's unbelievable with the ball in his hand, and he, of course, can beat people without the ball in his hand and get wide open. You're right. I mean, Dallas would have looked foolish if he got out of there and ended up on some other football team. I always thought Amari Cooper would go back, though, because I think it's more than just money with Amari Cooper to a degree. I think if all things were equal – with the Redskins and the Cowboys, I do think Amari Cooper's found a place in life where he's very comfortable with the Dallas Cowboys. That's one thing that he said a lot when he first got traded there. And I think he's really worked out a special relationship from what I've heard with Dak Prescott to where you know he wants to make it work with Dak and vice versa. And uh, not shocked to see it happen. I'm actually shocked that it took that long. And I just want to know, Mike, did you hear any numbers as far as what the Redskins might have offered him? You know, I, I'm just curious to, to see where that might have
1: gone. I haven't seen anything like that yet or heard anything like that yet. I will eventually get the full breakdown, though, of what the Cowboys paid, how much of that five years, $100 million is real, how much of it is window dressing, what's the full guarantee at signing, what's the signing bonus, etc. But the Cowboys paying out some big money to keep Amari Cooper around and obviously that. Exclusive franchise tag applied to Dak Prescott. So Prescott, Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott will all be there, but they'll be consuming a huge piece of the salary cap among them. We mentioned the Miami Dolphins earlier as it relates to the possibility that they will pursue Tom Brady. They have landed some big fish the uh, aquatic mammals have in Miami, and they've gotten Kyle Van Noy away from the Patriots. They have added Byron Jones, the Cowboys cornerback, the richest cornerback contract in NFL history to go along with Xavier and Howard at number two. They're on the same team now. And they added Eric Flowers yesterday as well. So the Dolphins doing what they can to spend their cap dollars in advance of using their draft picks to try to make the team better. And the the blood is in the water, whether it's the Bills trying to improve or the Dolphins trying to improve, the Patriots aren't going to have Tom Brady. So the window is open for someone to take over the AFC East.
2: Yeah, no, it is. It's there to be had. And, you know, the, the I mean, impressive start to free agency. You know, they need an improvement on their offensive line. Get Eric Flowers, not to any huge money. Eric Flowers, hey, he kind of corrected his career when he went to the Washington Redskins and got going there. So that was a nice signing there. But then you could see Flores is trying to emulate what he had in New England before he left. You know, I kind of said this on social media yesterday. He's recreating Stefan Gilmore and JC Jackson, who are arguably the best duo in football. They're going to have a challenge now, whether they'll be the best duo in their own division. Because for me, Byron Jones, and Xavier Howard are two of the top five or six best corners in football. Byron Jones, when he's healthy, you can make a case when you watch him on film, Mike, and go, Oh, he's the most talented guy in the sport at the corner position. So, yeah, then Kyle Van Noy, as we know, he's a Swiss Army knife as far as the things you can do with him in the front seven. So great start for free agency for the uh, I mean, uh, for the Miami Dolphins. You know, got some culture guys and got some guys that are certainly going to improve their football team. I'll
1: tell you what, if I'm throwing a dart here, and I may be blindfolded and there may not even be a dartboard, but w- without the 49ers interested in Tom Brady, there really isn't a place that screams out he will win there right away. Right and I, I I we cannot overlook the Giselle factor she's dealt with all these years of Tom playing for the Patriots and continuing to play well past the retirement age for most football players when she married him, she probably figured by the time this guy's forty two he won't be playing anymore. If she says I want to go to Miami, that's going to be a factor, and I think he could convince himself. That they can be competitive, at least as competitive as the Buccaneers, as competitive as the Chargers. And unless there's a team that has that clear-cut Super Bowl window, and other than the 49ers, uh, again, who don't want him, there's no other team that would even have the the glimmer of an opening that that has realistic Super Bowl aspirations. I just, I feel like the, I hear you. the Dolphins are, are a legitimate spot for Tom Brady.
2: Yeah, I I hear you. I mean, there's a lot to like. And, of course, he's going to be comfortable with Brian Flores. And to what we talked about, you know, a little earlier where I said, you know, I think there was a sense that some coaches are a little scared of Brady. Of course, that won't happen with Brian Flores. I mean, he's running things just like New England. And, you know, Chris Greer, I've heard nothing of good things about him. So it certainly won't be a culture shock if Brady goes there. And the lifestyle and the city, to your point, Mike all make sense. It's just about whether Brady would want to deal, you know, with one year here of kind of them continuing to get their feet underneath them uh, as they build a, a real winner here, which I think they're going to build. They're going in the right direction. I just, I, I don't know. In my heart of hearts, I just don't know if Tom Brady would sign up for that right now.
1: And and, and let's apply a small twist to what we were saying yesterday and previously, if there's not going to be an off season program, it makes sense for Brady to want to stay with the Patriots. It also made sense for the Patriots to want Brady, but that didn't work out. But if he's going to leave, he needs to go to a place where he knows that when he shows up, it's going to be like the Patriots, right? Right. So the Dolphins are at the top of that list. You don't know what you're getting into with Bruce Arians. You don't know what you're getting into with Anthony Lynn. There's just a few places where you would have confidence that when you walk through the door, there's going to be an expectation level that the Patriots always had. And that's Detroit... And that's Miami. And where else? Am I missing anyone else?
2: Houston, probably Houston.
1: Yeah. And that ain't going right. to happen because they got Deshaun Watson.
2: Right. So, no, uh, I know. And,
1: and 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 the Lions are all in with Matthew Stafford. They're not making that trade. Although, uh, I, I, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole again. I think the Lions <laughs> are keeping Matthew Stafford. I just think the Dolphins make sense for Tom Brady, especially when the alternative short-term is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they have enough draft picks that they can load up the cannon to win now and also draft a guy who can be groomed by Brady. And if Brady's only going to be there three years maximum, he's not going to be threatened by the guy like he was threatened by Garoppolo. I just think it makes too much sense. I feel like it's going yeah, to pot my, pa- my pasta and meatballs gut is starting, to, is starting to respond well to this scenario, Chris. Uh,
2: okay, I, I, listen, I hear you. There's a lot of
1: things to connect there.
2: I think, okay, if I just had to go with my, um, you know, I don't know, I don't get pasta and meatballs because I got no Italian in my gut, okay? So if I had to go with my meat and potatoes gut over here. Okay. I got a lot of chicken soup in my gut. Uh, I'm going to say the chargers are the team. If I had to pick one right now that I say he ends up at, I, and I have no inside information or that, but I'm just going gut
1: feeling like you. Would you rather have Cam Newton or Tom Brady for the chargers? Ooh, man, man, you love putting me
2: on the spot, but I, I think I'd you know, of course, we're, we're assuming medicals check out with Cam Newton and everything like that. I would rather have Cam Newton at this point. I would. You know, it's just, again, Brady at this age, I worry about injury. I worry about his ability to want to stand in the pocket and make big throws. And, you know, uh, I, you know I just worry about, you know, injury in, in general, him pulling a hamstring or, you know, pulling a calf muscle can change your team and you can be back in the same boat you're in right now next year if he decides he wants to call it quits. So that's why I would favor Cam Newton.
1: Yeah. And, and look, Cam Newton's going to want a new contract. Uh, he's made that clear already. He's yeah. making 19 million. It's, it's embarrassing in comparison to the current market, but that's going to be a factor as well. All right, before we go, and we'll probably be back at some point today, based on these developments that are changing all the time, the NFL has issued rules for the off season and, and one, they made it clear that the off-season program has been delayed indefinitely and may not happen whatsoever. Number two, facilities are closed until further notice. Only players who are getting medical treatment can be there. But number three, and this one is the one that confuses me the most, Chris. For any of these players who are negotiating free agent contracts, the deals can be made subject to passing a physical, but the player can't come to take a physical, and you can't send a doctor to the player. They are in the process of identifying local doctors. They haven't identified any yet, at least as of yesterday they hadn't, who would be willing to give the physical, and these are neutral doctors. And Chris, if you're a team that is making a significant financial investment in a player – You want your doctor to look at him, not some doc in a box that they happen to find in Topeka who's available for the player you're assigning to an $80 million contract to go show up and get poked and prodded and have that doctor say, yeah, he's fine. I mean, there is a huge difference between a normal doctor and a doctor who does work on athletes and and assesses whether or not an ACL is in good shape or does all the things that they need to do to certify that a guy is good to go. I am stunned by this, and it tells me that guys like and Clowney are not going to be getting any offers for a long time.
2: I don't think so. I'm stunned by it as well. You know, you you made all the right points, Mike. Exactly right. I mean, these teams are are associated with the best doctors in their city. I mean, these are the best that the city has to offer. That's who's there to do these type of medical checkups on these type of players. And as we know, you know, just like football, some players are better than others. Some quarterbacks are better than others. As we know, some doctors are better than others. And to your point, doctors in these type of scenarios that are, that are you know, uh, associated with NFL football teams, they have a lot more experience in ba- evaluating professional athlete bodies. So, yeah, better than, you know, Dr. You know, Joe Smith in the middle of nowhere, who I'm not trying to take a shot at him, but has never seen like a division one athlete come into his office and evaluate that, let alone, you know, an NFL player who's got an injury history and to know what's realistic and not realistic to be able to continue their career or come back or anything like that. So, um, you know, yeah, that, that's really going to put a wrinkle in this free agency thing. And I I can't imagine guys like Jude Dave, are going to be signed anytime soon because of what you said.
1: And to take it a step farther to the extent that Cam Newton is available to shop himself in a potential trade, how in the hell are you going to do that deal unless your doctor can get his or her hands on Cam Newton and see how is the shoulder, how is the ankle, how is the foot, how is Cam Newton, the whole body? Is there something we don't know about that may be about ready to break on Cam Newton? I just would not trust, and and I mean no disrespect to the doctors out there who would be available, uh, but they're not sports team doctors. It is a different reality. It's a different thing that you look for. This isn't like giving you or me a physical to make sure that we aren't dying. This is about giving a physical to a professional athlete to certify that that athlete is able to perform at the highest possible level. And when we're talking about guys with injury histories, it, it takes on greater importance, and, and I just think the circumstances – Even though the, you know what the Panthers should have done, Chris, they should have done this weeks ago because a physical could have been done. Then we explained at the time that teams were allowed to do it. If the Panthers permitted it, now it's too late. The window's shut and uh, it's not going to reopen until the NFL says it's okay for players to travel to team facilities or team doctors to go see the players.
2: No, I'm, I'm shocked by the Cam Newton thing. You know, I, I am. As I said when we were
1: talking about it earlier,
2: to, to this discussion happening this late where some of the quarterback chairs are filled already, to where teams already have a plan of how they're going to attack this, you know, they, they've limited the options uh, Cam Newton can, can have by, by kind of letting him know this late in the game. Also, Mike, I mean, are we going to get down to where, like, you know, somebody like Cam Newton or Jevion Clowney, if it comes to it and they're about to, you know, a team has interest, are they just going to jump on their own private plane or, you know, pay for a private plane, fly to that city, and go see that doctor themselves to make that team feel comfortable? They're I not allowed could, to.
1: They're not allowed to. I mean, unless it all happens even, off the grid. That's I, they no, can't no. do that, though? No, tra- no the, no. travel by the player to see the local doctor that is employed by the team. No travel by the doctor to the player. Now, you're, you're, you're touching on a very important point here. Right. How are they going to enforce it? Right. It's like tampering before a free agency. If Jadavian Clowney is hell bent on getting on that plane and going to be evaluated by that doctor, he's going to do it. The problem is there's going to be records. You, you can't have you can't have a black market physical examination. There's going to be some record generated by this, so it you, you start to weave a pretty tangled web. Now, I'm told by the NFL that later today guidance will be provided to teams on how to do physicals connected to trades because the Texans may want to give David Johnson a physical. The Cardinals are going to want to look at DeAndre Hopkins. The Bills are going to want to look at Stephon Diggs. And obviously, if someone trades for Cam Newton, they're going to want to do it. So I don't know what the guidance is going to be. But anything other than my team doctor protecting my million-dollar interests is going to be satisfactory, from my view, Chris. That, that's. Uh, but But again, that's yeah. why— I don't want to revisit I this. I don't want to relitigate this. That's that's one of the reasons why they should have waited. It's one of the reasons yeah. why they should have waited. Because yeah. you've got this donut hole that we don't know how it's going to be filled. Uh, it may be filled with uh, chocolate cream. It may be filled with something that is the same color but a lot smellier. We will find out soon enough on that Happy note, go enjoy your lunch. Chris, uh, thanks as always for doing this. And uh, who knows how the rest of the day is going to unfold. It has been a crazy 24 hours. It's been a good diversion, a good distraction. And we're here for all of it for as long as free agency lasts. Stay safe, be smart. Chris, thanks. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. See
2: you later.